You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. That was awesome. My goodness. Um, thank you, uh, worship, uh, worship team. That was incredible. I mean, that's, that's the verse we're going to be looking at today. But when you sing it in that kind of a powerful way and you say it over and over and over, you start to believe it, right? I want to go take on the world right now. Uh, my name is Dustin Peckman. My wife, Catherine, and I have the great privilege of serving in the youth and family ministry here in the South Bay Church. Yeah. Where's our teens? There they are. What about the yams? Yeah, there they are. Um, I want to I wanna say thank you to our First Impressions ministry for braving the storm this morning and standing out in the parking lot and welcoming us in with their umbrellas and their smiles. Thank you guys. And I also want to thank the teens who are... Are you guys back? Teens who went to sing with our, uh, with our kids' kingdom. So every week, some of our teens, they go and they help with singing with our little kids. So thank you, teens, for serving in that way. So again, we're, this is, I think, the third installment, if, yeah, if my memory serves me correct, verse after the verse. So we're taking these popular verses uh, that you might hear in just kind of popular culture, um, and we're, we're really digging in and seeing what is the context behind these verses. Sometimes we use them out of context. Sometimes we don't really know the backstory behind these scriptures, so that's what we're digging into. So today we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I'll pull that up right now. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. And depending on what version you're looking at, this scripture changes every time they update a new version of the Bible. Uh, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. But this is the scripture. This is some, something that I have thought of doing. Wingsuit jumping. Uh, I would love to do it at some point in my life. I don't know if that's going to happen. But... Sometimes when we read this scripture, we think of things like this. I'm going to go do like the impossible. I'm going to go take on the world. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And so it can be inspiring. Uh, it can be an empowering scripture. And interestingly enough, this was the troop motto when I was in Boy Scouts back in the day. I'm right there in the middle. And uh, that's my, on, on your left, that's my friend Blair, and on the other side, my friend Austin. And uh, still great friends with those guys today. This was Troop 413. This wasn't all of us. We weren't a three-person troop. But we were a part of Troop 413. Troop 413, Philippians 413. That's how we got our motto. Um, and so we set our motto every time we had a meeting a Boy Scout meeting, that was our troop motto. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. So I've been saying this scripture since I was 11 or 12 years old. And we would say it when we'd go camping. We'd, we'd say it when we're on the top of a 14,000 foot mountain. We'd say it when we're in the snow trying to camp. 
we were always saying the scripture, so it was an empowering scripture. Like, okay, we can get through this. We can get through this challenging time. And it can, it can kind of produce thoughts of like, man, I'm going to go have a huge victory in my life right now. I'm going to have these mountaintop experiences. I'm going to grit my teeth and be tough and just make it through this. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Um, but that's not exactly what Paul is talking about in this scripture. What Paul is talking about is being content. Being content. And Steve talked about contentment a couple weeks ago when he read Psalm 23. Contentment being wanting what we have rather than wanting what we don't have. And so this idea of contentment, it didn't really ring true to us Boy Scouts when we were saying this motto. We just thought, man, we're, we're going to go take on the world. But then when we were, I remember our first winter camping trip. This was in Colorado. So it was like really winter camping. And we go up to this place. Again, this is the first time. So I didn't even know really what I needed. They told me what I needed, but we weren't really that prepared. And that's one of the Boy Scout mottos is be prepared. <laughs> um, and so we show up and there's snow everywhere. And we have, to, we have to pitch our tents. And so we had to, just so that the snow wouldn't soak into the bottom of our tent and soak into our sleeping bags, we had to dig out the snow. We had to dig out a square of snow so that our tent could actually sit on solid ground. And so we're there, it's freezing, we're digging out snow, it's getting dark, we're like, this is miserable. Like, yeah, maybe we can do all things in Christ, but I don't want to be doing this right now. I want to be at home drinking some hot chocolate. Um, so we didn't always have this, this uh, mindset of contentment when we recited this scripture back in the day. But we're going to talk about what Paul is getting at behind this scripture. In Philippians, uh, Philippians was written by Paul from a, Ro a Roman prison. So he's in chains because of his devotion for God. He was imprisoned. And so he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi. These brothers and sisters of, uh, in Christ that are near and dear to his heart. And so it's, it's good to understand the position that Paul is writing from. Because you can read some of these words and you're like, man, his life must be good. He's talking about rejoicing. He's talking about joy. He seems really loving to these uh, brothers and sisters in Philippi. He talks about contentment. His life must be pretty posh right now. But no, that's not true. He's actually in prison writing this letter. And so just have that in your mind. And in this book, uh, Paul just oozes out love and unity and joy and grace to his brothers and sisters in Philippi. You would never get the sense that he's sitting in prison while writing this letter. And at the beginning of chapter 4, um, there's, there's something that he addresses, and it's a, a little debacle that's happening within the church in Philippi between two women. There's some sort of argument, division, that's happening. And imagine if you were Paul, Paul and you're sitting in prison... And you, you get word, hey, we got some news from the church in Philippi. Mostly good news, but Iodia and Syndike, you know those two ladies? Yeah, they're arguing. So what do you think we should do about it? 
imagine getting that note while you're in prison and you're like, seriously, like, I'm here in prison and you guys are arguing out there? Like, can't you just keep up for a moment? I'm putting my neck out here for you guys, for Christ, and you're arguing. But that wasn't his, that wasn't what was conveyed in his words. It was love, it was joy. And sometimes it's difficult to empathize with someone as they're sharing what they're going through. Maybe it's all true, maybe it's a little bit of a sob story. And all the while you're thinking, that doesn't even come close to what I'm going through in my life right now. Sometimes it's hard to empathize. And you just want to say like, okay, hold off, hold off. Let me tell you what I'm going through. Paul could have done that. Like, are you kidding me? Sometimes it's hard to empathize. Man, like, my boss and my coworkers, I just can't stand them. And you're talking to someone who just lost their job that day. Like, you never know what's going on. But Paul talks about com- uh, contentment here. So let's read in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. So we're going to, the, the key scripture is verse 13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And the series is the verse after the verse. So in this, in this case, the, the verse that's after the verse is actually 13. And we're going to be looking back at what Paul says before he gets to verse 13. So it says here, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And so we're going to build up to Philippians chapter, uh, uh, verse four, ver- chapter 4, verse 13. And we're going to find out, how can Paul arrive at this statement? I can do everything through him who gives me strength. How does he arrive there? Point number one, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is a, a portrait of Paul in chains writing a letter to the church in Philippi, or writing one of his prison epistles. He probably wasn't that white. But it gives you a portrait. You know, he's got the chains on him. Rejoice in the Lord always. What does it mean to rejoice? It means to be glad, to celebrate, to praise. I just imagine, like, those moments that you're just like, yes, come on! but you're doing it for the Lord. Come on, Jesus! Yes! Thank you! Rejoicing in the Lord always. Always. Not just in the good times. Not just in those mountaintop experiences. But in the valleys. In the bad times. In the uncertain times. When all hope seems to be lost. Rejoicing in the Lord always. And you think about... Psalm 23 that Steve read a couple weeks ago. And you get this this image of sheep following their shepherd through, through the mountaintops, through the green pastures, by the quiet waters, through the darkest valleys. And staying close to the Lord. And rejoicing, no matter what the circumstances are around, because you're close to the Lord. Rejoicing in the Lord always. 
So Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. You know what? I'll say it again. Rejoice. Just in case you didn't catch it the first time. But this isn't the first time that Paul speaks of rejoicing or joy in this letter to the Philippians. In, ver in chapter 1, verse 4, it says, I always pray with joy. 1, verse 18, I will continue to rejoice. Again, he's in prison. Chapter 2, verse 18, you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Chapter 3, verse 1, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Man, he just pours out joy and rejoicing as he's sitting in prison. And he's thinking about his brothers and sisters. He's thinking about what's going on. And he just can't help but rejoice and invite them into rejoicing with him. And so this comes, verse 4 comes right after he addresses these two women that are having this argument. And this is his, his cure. This is his remedy for disagreement. So this too is our remedy when we have disagreements amongst us. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Um, some of you may know Charles Spurgeon. Um, this is, you can go look him up if you don't know him. This is something that he said about this verse. I am glad that we do not know what the quarrel was about between these two women. I am usually thankful for ignorance on such matters or subjects. But as a cure for disagreements, the Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. People who are very happy, especially those who are very happy in the Lord, are not apt either to give offense or to take offense. Their minds are so sweetly occupied with higher things that they are not easily distracted by the little troubles which naturally arise among such imperfect creatures as we are. Joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. Paul doesn't rejoice because life is good, but because God is God and God is in control. Paul firmly believed that what, was what he was going through was good for him, and good for others. He learned to want what he had. To want being in prison because he saw what it was producing in him and his relationship with God. And he saw what it was producing in other people. Verse 5 it says, I don't have it on the screen. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. When we rejoice in the Lord, we're gentle with one another. You think of something that, that's fragile that comes in the mail and you're like gentle opening it up. That's how we can be with each other when we are rejoicing in the Lord. We can be gentle and patient and rejoice together. Uh, <clears throat> something that has helped me recently is we, we have three kids. Zeke is almost five, Carrie's three and a half, and our youngest will be two this month. And something that has helped me is we're, we're training them to like kind of how to pray and what to talk to God about. So something I've been doing is thanking God for just everything I can think of. So that they just have the idea that, man, everything is from God and, and we can thank God for anything. And so I'm thanking God for the coffee. 
Thank you, God, for, for making coffee beans that I could have coffee this morning. Thank you for the syrup that we got to pour on our delicious pancakes. It was so good. I know we don't need these things, but they're such a delight. And like just going through everything. Thank you for our beds. Thank you for these warm blankets that we get to have on us. Thank you for this apartment we li live in. Anything I can think of. And it has been so, uh, such a softening heart experience. Like, wow, God really has given us so much. There's so much to rejoice in. We get so caught up in, in kind of the, the muck of our day that we're like, wait, God has really blessed me. Um, so I want to encourage you to do that. Just thank God for the things that you really enjoy that maybe you don't think to thank him for. Think to thank him for. Um, thank him for them. Point number two, pray with thanksgiving. First point, rejoice in the Lord always. Point number two, pray with thanksgiving. In verse six, it, sa it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Where does a lot of our anxiety come from? A lot of it comes from relationships, right? We're thinking about people, whether it's, whether it's tension in a relationship or just thinking about what someone is going through. Or maybe what we're going through. Relationships are such a great, or can be such a great source of anxiety. And so when we pray, when we pray about the things we're anxious about, we need to be thanking God. Because we can turn our prayers into whining or sob stories with God. Why is this happening to me? We forget to thank God for all the other things that we've experienced in that day that he has given us. And Paul presents this not as an option. Hey, if you think about it, why don't you thank God from time to time? In your prayer, pray with thanksgiving. Don't be anxious about anything but pray with thanksgiving. And this was, I read this, this was an interesting thought. When we, uh, when we are anxious in a situation, we place ourselves as the parent or the father in that situation rather than as the child. And if you're a parent, you, you can kind of understand that concept. Your children don't understand fully what you're doing, what you're saying, kind of how you're going about life. And if you tried to explain it to them, they would not understand. They might get a little bit, but they would not understand. And when we get anxious, we try to take control. And we try to understand what we can't understand. And we try to take control from our Father in heaven. We are his children. We need to let him be dad. Let him be the father. And let us be the children and trust in our dad. You know, I don't want my kids to feel anxious. And so if I can share something that will take away anxiety or kind of uncertainty in their mind, I do. But then again, there are just some things that they won't understand. And so I need to try to protect them and give them what they need. What should we pray about? Everything. Nothing is off limits. Have you presented your requests to God today? 
And not just, God, thanks for this day. I pray it goes great. But what are you thinking about? What's in your heart? What requests do you have that you're like, I don't know if I should say this. It's so detailed. I don't know. Present your requests to God. And when you pray, are your prayers dripping with thanksgiving? Are they dripping with thanksgiving? As this letter to the church in Philippi just drips and oozes with love and joy and thanksgiving, is that what your prayers are like? Let's pray with thanksgiving. Something that we have, we're trying to train our son Zeke, our oldest son, is to be thankful before he asks for more. And so he, he's eating a lot of food. He's starting to eat a lot more food. And so we give him his, for, his first portion. And for a while, he'd just be like, can I have some more? I want some more. I'm hungry. That wasn't enough. <laughs> like, like, okay, slow down, dude. Uh, and so we're training him to say, okay, if you want more, that's fine. But first say thank you for what you got. Thanks for the food. It was delicious. Can I please have some more? And so he has started to do that. So we have needs and we have wants. But also in those needs and wants, being thankful and, and thanking God for what we have. Uh, with Carrie, kind of a similar situation, our daughter. She is, she's a little bit more raw with her words like, I want a snack. And we're like, okay, that's not quite how you ask. Uh, and so then we're like, okay, try that again. Can I have a snack, please? And she like shrugs her shoulders. <laughs> it's so cute. Um, but really just being thankful when we're presenting our requests to God. Yesterday, uh, God challenged me in, in being thankful yesterday because our, our van, the battery died. One of the lights got left on. It's not the first time because our, our kids like playing with the lights. So our, our van was dead, and Catherine was trying to get something out of the back of the car, but the, the power back door wouldn't open. So, um, so Brian, the Hoods have, a, have a, car, a battery charger, so he brought it over and charging it. But I had some other things I needed to get done that were kind of time sensitive. And so I was just kind of getting frustrated, like, man, I don't need to be dealing with this car situation right now. And, and I couldn't really see in my garage because it was dark, it was rainy, and so I, like, I had to go up the stairs and get a flashlight, come back down, and, and I was just getting annoyed, and I was coming up the stairs, and I'm like, gosh, I can't be dealing with this right now. I got other things. This is frustrating. And then I go to the back room to, um, to like, sit down and start working on some stuff, and I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, God has blessed me so much. We have the hoods as neighbors who, like, in a second, will help us with anything we need help with. Brian had this car charger. We have a van that works in a garage in an apartment. Like, and so I just started thanking God, thank you for our van. Even though it's dead right now, I'm so grateful for it. Thank you that we have, you know, the hoods that have this car charger. And, and it was so helpful for my heart. Just thanking God. Not a great situation. But it became a great situation because I thank God. We really can be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything and be thankful for anything. Let's pray with thanksgiving. Point number three. Think good thoughts. Think good thoughts. In verse eight, 
It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever your circumstances are right now, think about what is true, what is noble, what is right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. And when you think about things like this, this is like mental nourishment. These are like the veggies and the meat and the fruit and the vitamins for your mind. If you're vegetarian or vegan, then it's just the veggies for your mind. But this is the mental nourishment that we need. But then when you think about the opposite of all of these things, which a lot of times does occupy our minds, this is the mental junk food. The thoughts that are lies, that are dishonorable, that are wrong, that are impure, that are ugly, disgraceful, inferior, inferior and shameful. This is mental junk food. It might be satisfying in the moment. It might make us feel like, oh, okay, like I'm just going to believe that lie. Or that impure thought, it just kind of satisfied me in the moment. I'm just going to live in my shame. It's kind of more comfortable than dealing with it. But we qu it quickly leaves us in a worse condition. And we're likely to go back to these thoughts as we're in that worst state of mind. And then it's this vicious cycle of thinking. And the one thing that's going to get us out of it, it's to change our thoughts. Change our thoughts. Think about what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. What we store in our minds and our hearts will come out in our life. Yesterday, we were having breakfast with uh, a few of the brothers and Simon Abdu. This is a quote from Simon, who he got it from someone else, but we'll just let it be Simon's quote. And I may have butchered it a little bit. I was trying to remember. Thinking Philippians 4, 8 a day keeps the devil away. Thank you, Simon. But thinking Philippians 4, 8, all of these things that we should be thinking about. And he said this, this helps him in his day. He'll, he'll think about, okay, what's noble? What's pure? What's right? What's admirable? Keeps the devil away. Um, a brother in our Turning Point ministry up in the valley, he came down and he actually did a lesson. Um, I believe it was a mental health lesson on Philippians 4.8. And this is what he said. The quality of your thinking will turn into the quality of your life. David Bruce. The quality of your thinking will turn into the quality of your life. Isn't that so true? What we think about, man, it, it affects our day. It comes out in our life. It comes out in our speech to one another. So we're going to practice for a moment this godly mind over matter. This is the godly approach to mind over matter. We're going to practice with one another. I like interacting with each other. I, I love being around people. I love conversing with pe people. So we're, I'm going to let you guys do that right now. Um, so one thing I want you guys to talk about, discuss 10 things that you're grateful for from today. Just today. Don't think back to the rest of the week. Just today. Since you woke up, 10 things that you're grateful for uh, from today. So talk with the person or two next to you. 
We'll take a few minutes to do this. And then I also provided in the notes a section where you can write down these ten things as well. So let's discuss amongst each other. Okay, let's bring it back in. I couldn't hear exactly what you guys were saying, but it was, it was nice to hear that you were talking about hopefully things you're grateful for. A lot of uh, grateful chatter. So what does all of this rejoicing and thanking and thinking produce in us? It produces peace. Do you guys feel more peaceful? Do you feel more content? Yeah? Do you feel strengthened a little bit right now? I mean, that's what this does. What Paul is saying to this church in Philippi, rejoice. Thank God. Think about good things. This will give you peace, contentment, and strength. In verse 7, it's not up on the screen, but in verse 7 it says, this is in between those two scriptures, and the peace of God, which transcends all our understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. This is the kind of peace that you can't just learn from a book. You have to experience it. It doesn't make sense to us. We can't explain it to someone else. We just have to demonstrate it. Like, I don't, I don't even understand how I feel at peace right now. All I can say is that it's from God. Because my circumstances are not peaceful circumstances. There's chaos around me. And yet, I feel this peace. It has to be experienced. If you feel like you're losing your mind, or your heart is aching, when this peace from God seems non-existent in your life, go back to praying with thanksgiving and rejoicing in the Lord and see what happens. Maybe do a little exercise like we just did right now. If you're feeling stressed out, if you're feeling like, man, hope is like draining out of my life, start thanking God. Start thinking about the things you're grateful for. I imagine that your heart and mind will turn around and get into the right spot. In verse 11, we're going to bring it back to those three verses that we read at first. Verse 11, it says, Paul says, I am not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. You look at a person in prison and you say, you have a need. You have a lot of needs, actually. Especially if you're in a Roman prison back in the day, man, you got nothing but needs. But Paul says, I don't, I'm not in need. I've learned the secret. I've learned to be content. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I've been in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Then he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. He said he had to learn this secret. He had to learn how to be content. And how do we learn? It takes trials. It takes failure. A quote that we heard in one of our a leadership conference we were at this week. Failure is not fatal. 
Failure is not fatal. We need failure. We need trials. We need hard work. It takes thought. It takes action. It takes fortitude to be able to learn. And Paul learned how to be content. And there are plenty of people in this room who right now are going through devastating circumstances and situations, who feel pain, who feel maybe like they're, like I just can't handle anything else. And yet, they show up with joy, they're rejoicing, they're encouraging us. This is what we can be for each other. And we can, we can rejoice with one another. We can pray and thank God together. We can share in these times and learn how to be content together as a family. In verse 13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Jesus strengthened Paul. Jesus strengthened Paul in his contentment. In his in his wanting what he had, not wanting what he didn't have. And I believe Jesus' strength is most evident in our lives when we are content. And when we speak contentment to other people. And when we speak joy and rejoicing to one another. That is strength in Christ. It's not, it's not always going out and taking on the world. It's not always having these huge victories where, you, where everyone else just feels like, man, I can't relate to that. <laughs> How are they there? I, and I'm down here in the pit. But having contentment, man, that shows strength in Christ. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, For without me, you can do nothing. I imagine Paul was thinking about those words as he wrote this verse to the church in Philippi. For without me, you can do nothing. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. With Jesus, we can do all things. Without him, we can't do anything. So what is Paul's secret? He said this is a secret. Why is it a secret? Because so many people don't get it. They're trying by their own ability, by their own wisdom, by their own strength to try to be content or to try to have success and victory and happiness and joy in this life. But it's, so it's a secret to most. But Paul's secret is what he allows into his mind and into his heart. What he spends his time doing. He spent a lot of time rejoicing in Jesus. He spent a lot of time praying and thanking God for his transformed life in Christ. He spent a lot of time thinking about and sharing Christ with others. So Paul's secret remedy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Pray with thanksgiving. And think good thoughts. We're about to take communion and remember Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, but also his resurrection from the dead. And we can rejoice in Jesus' resurrection. We can thank God because of Jesus' sacrifice and because of his resurrection. We can think about that. And it will produce contentment in us. Because through Christ, we too can live a new life. Let's pray for communion and think about these things. God, thank you for this time to be able to remember you. God, sometimes uh, even, even that scripture in, in 4.8, 
Like, man, just thinking through the list of what can I think about that's true, noble, right? And that's you. You fit into all of those categories. God, if we shift our minds to you, whatever we're going through, God, you produce contentment in us. You produce peace in us. You produce strength in us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for uh, his sacrifice, his death on the cross. And God, thank you for raising him from the dead. God, it gives us hope that we can live a new life as well. That we don't have to uh, live within the, the mental junk food and, and be controlled by those things. But God, we can, we can rise out of that and be free in Christ. Thank you for this time to celebrate you, to rejoice in you, to remember you, to thank you, Lord. We love you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.